Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. We're going to look at the New Testament, Matthew 28. Here we read, Now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. When they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this word authority actually points to two realities. The first reality that this word authority points to is the legitimacy of Christ's rule. That Jesus Christ, upon receipt of his resurrection, has the right to rule the heavens, the earth, and the under earth. And then, not only does Jesus have the right to rule, He also has the ability. And the word authority in Greek covers both angles, the right and the ability. And the reason why this is important, because if you look at history, if you look at empires that have grown up throughout the world, empires that have become strong, when the father would give the empire to his son, who had the right to rule, sometimes the son was inept. He didn't have the ability of the father. And this sometimes happens in businesses as well. History is full of those stories. But there's one story in history that is not like that, and that's this story, that the father gave his son the full role of heaven and earth. He has divine authority over everything. Nothing is going to deconstruct because Christ is on the throne. No, because he has all authority. He has all ability to. And Jesus himself says of himself, he says this in Revelation 1 verse 17. He says, I am the first and the last. I was dead But behold, I'm alive 
I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hands. None of us can have ever access to those keys, but Jesus does. So not only is he ruling heaven and earth, he is also the judge of heaven and earth, and he will one day open the door to eternal destruction, and all his enemies will be thrown in there because he has every right to do that and the power. And so I ask you, which despotic leader, which nation, which state, which people, which demonic ideology, which power, which principality can stop the progress of the gospel? And all God's people say, none. There is absolutely nothing that can stop the progress of the gospel, ultimately. It's noteworthy that during the Victorian age, France made a decision that they would not welcome any Protestant missionaries into their lands. Charles Spurgeon, some of you know that name, was preaching in in the tabernacle in, in London, England. I love Charles Spurgeon's response. He had a way with words. He says it like this. He says, who are you, little man? Who are you, little man, to tell the king of kings where he will send his men? We will make Jesus known. We will flood your country with preachers of the gospel. Who are you? You're not on the throne. We have a savior on the throne. He's the king of kings. He conquered death. You're not going to tell us where we can send our men. And there's no nation in this world that will stop the church of Jesus Christ for sending the preachers of the gospel into those nations, even today. If you are a Christian in Canada, you're on the losing team from the world's perspective. You are in so many ways anti-progress, anti-society. You join the losing team. Kids, you're waking up to a losing team. And every kid wants to win to be on the winning team. Well, you go home and talk to your parents today about being on the losing team for Jesus in the eyes of the world. You're not on the losing team. <laughs> if you're on Christ's team, you're on the winning team ultimately. But in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of our city, in the eyes of our government, um, we're on the losing team. They're actually not that worried about our vote because there's not that many people on our team. And we do not need to cringe in fear. No, in love we can still make Jesus known. In his strength, in his power, we will flood this nation with preachers of the gospel who want to make Jesus known. And we'll flood this nation with members of the church who are actively sharing the love and the goodness of Christ in a broken community. We are not on the losing team from God's perspective. And we have everything that this community, this world needs in this gospel. That's the divine authority that we have to go out in Jesus' name. But we also have a divine purpose. It says this in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Or in Greek, going therefore, making disciples of all nations, do this. So there's a going and there's a making of disciples. That's the simple rule. But there's two things I just want to show you that's very interesting about this. And that's this. That when Jesus sends out his disciples into the world... He's not asking them to do it with any kind of military foresight or strategizing. And I find that very fascinating. And it just makes us love Jesus all that much more. Because Jesus did have a lot of enemies, even in Jerusalem. These are the people that were screaming at him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. 
These are the people who are just fomenting this lie right now. As he was talking to his disciples, there was a lie being perpetuated, a lie going out that the disciples stole the body. And Jesus is saying, this is exactly where I want you to start. I want you to start in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on the church in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, share everything you know about me. My forgiveness, my love, my righteousness, my holiness, my peace. You go out and you share that to these people. I love that because so quickly we can, we can look at people groups in this world and say, well, they're enemies of the gospel. They're persecuting the church. They're attacking us with their words. And often our knee-jerk reaction is to attack back with more words. Their vitriolic will be more vitriolic. No, the gospel is all different. The way of Christ is all different than that. We go into enemy territory, yes, and we are in enemy territory. But we go in enemy territory the same way the disciples went in, with the gospel of grace, with the gospel of forgiveness, of love. That's what this world needs. It doesn't need more men with their guns. It needs more men with the sword of the Spirit. Men and women sharing the love of Jesus and the truth of Jesus. This text, of course, implies more than just preachers of the gospel. Jesus is saying, basically, in discipleship, he's saying, I I want you to do what I have been doing for the last three years. And for the last three years, Jesus says, I I walked with you. I talked to you. I journeyed with you. I I modeled what it means to live as a holy man, a righteous man before you, and I shared with you the coming kingdom. I shared with you the plan of, of my Father in heaven. I, I exposed the, the gospel. I, I revealed the gospel to you and how I fulfilled those promises. I just, I, I laid it all out for you in fellowship with you. And something of that picture of Christ walking with his disciples is the picture of discipleship that we need to grab and hold on to. So we disciple people by walking with them, journeying with them, sharing the glory of God with them, experience the hardships of life with them, whatever those hardships are, and constantly steering them to the truth of who Jesus is. That's how we do discipleship. And every one of us, or almost all of us, can be doing that at some level. You know, there is a cost We may lose our jobs. We may lose different things. There's always going to be a cost. And then that's why Jesus says, he says, I come with divine authority. I come with a divine plan, which is perfect for the glory of my kingdom. And I also come with divine presence. And that's so beautiful, beloved. And that's where I'll finish. He says this, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is our Emmanuel. He knows that the world will hate us because the world hates him. He's sending us amongst wolves. But we have all the hope and all the comfort and all the assurance that we need, beloved. Because the one who is with us is the one who has defeated death. The one who is with us has unsheathed the devil and his army of demons. The one who is with us has conquered sin and broken its power. The one who is with us fills us with hope and delight. And the one who is with us says, I have all authority. So don't worry about that. I have a perfect plan for you and for the church. Don't worry about that. And I'm going to be right there with you, right 
there with you to the very end. And even if they destroy the body, they cannot destroy your life. It's secure with me. That's the gospel we marvel at and the grace that we've been given in Jesus' name. Amen.